So this idea that the sky is falling uh, and in-home options are going to absolutely kill the brick and mortar gym industry is wildly, wildly, wildly overblown. All right, guys, what is happening, beautiful people? Uh, I'm GR Hoff, uh, and you are at the My Friends As You Grow Gyms podcast. You're in the right place if you are a gym owner, box owner, personal trainer, fitness pro that is looking to grow your gym, grow your business in ways that you, your team, your community, the people you serve, and not least importantly, your bank account are going to feel absolutely awesome about. So this week, I get the really fun, all too rare joy of being right and getting to dance all the bodies of our enemies and gloat about um, being correct uh, before other folks were saying we were going to be correct. So this is actually, uh, it's a bit of a um, kind of a, a, a revisitation from our print newsletter from um, about a year ago. And it's, you know, this idea basically that the, that the sky is falling, brick and mortar is going to die. And some predictions that we had that um, are quite topical based on some of the stuff that we're seeing from um, other folks being published. I've seen it shared around in our, in our circles quite a bit. And it's exciting to me because I do think it's, it's correct. And I want to share some of my thoughts on why I think it is correct and why it is uh, maybe even more pertinent for you than you once thought to move into or consider moving into and adjusting into this niche of this model. So here's the deal. Okay. Um, about a year ago, uh, everyone, you know, COVID was still a thing even more than it is now. Um, and it was, yeah, all the, you know, streaming is going to be the big thing. That's the future of the industry. There's going to be more and more and more streaming, more and more and more online workouts, more and more everything else. And while I, you know, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Um, again, this is from a year ago, uh, <laughs> but the idea that the brick and mortar business is going away, is going to fail, I think is wildly, wildly overblown. That said, I think the idea that low touch, high volume models are in trouble I don't think that's overblown. And here's, here's why. So long story short, um, the, is, this really isn't a long story short. I'm, I'm speaking incorrectly. This is going to have to be unpacked a little bit more extensively. But, here, but, but the reality is so many of us that are in, in the industry now, I think, came from a period of fitness industry education, fitness business educa education that was largely skewed toward these, um, you know, pack as many people as you can. You're doing, you know, low cost. You're doing boot camp. You're doing you know, fit body boot camp. you're doing CrossFit, you're doing um, like, what are all the other like old kind of not real franchises of fitness revolution, right? Like, oh, do boot camp stuff, whatever. And uh, it was get as many people as you can paying you 99 to 200 a month, roughly. And uh, again, there are some outliers in there, but, but in short, you were doing larger group, lower touch type services. And, and that was a deal. And, and why was that the case? Well, it was number one, it was innovative at the time. But number two, it's easier to teach an idiot. So if you think about, you know, all the different folks that were teaching uh, fitness business education back then, you know, you're doing things really largely for the masses. I don't think anyone had come around and done like the really psycho high ticket stuff yet. And you get better testimonials. <laughs> realistically, like you're going to have more success, you, you can teach more people to sell a $49 jumpstart, or a $99 a month boot camp, or whatever it is, um, you can teach more people in the general population, right? You put 100 people in the room, you can teach more people to do that successfully quicker than you can teach people to sell whatever, like five grand or uh, uh, programs or 400 a month small group personal training or whatever it might be. And so, you know, by and large, I think it was that like it takes less skill to sell those things. Maybe the skill was there, maybe it wasn't, but it takes less skill to sell those things. And so, whether or not those people had the skill to teach people to sell higher ticket things or not, I don't know. I'm not going to speak to that. But like the reality is, that was what was being taught back in the day. 
And so uh, you have a lot of us that are in that or were in that, right? Again, this has been a year since we wrote this. Um, and many, many, many of our folks have pivoted to having small group personal training as the primary point of their, of their model, which is, you know, what some of this content coming out. Um, I think, you know, our, our friend Rick Mayo, big, 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 big name in the small group personal training space, um, was on a podcast and, and you know, the podcast now predicting, oh, small group personal training. That's what the fitness industry is going to look like in 2022. Um, I think they're right. And we were calling it, you know, more than a couple of years ago. So um, who's in trouble and who's not? Let's break this down. With so many of us having grown up, if you will, in the large group, lower touch um, personal training space, I don't mean to insult you. Like many of us, like I feel like our, our team training, our large group program, metabolic program, whatever it is, was you called it. Um, like our program, when we did it that way, was really pretty damn good. That's part of the problem. Okay. So what happened? What changed? Well, you had these other providers, you had Orange Theory come in as probably the, the biggest, most glaring example that came in and said, yeah, we're going to do things more efficiently, right? We're going to have, be able to have 30 or 40 people in a room. We're going to give them the same workout. Our facilities are going to be cooler, all those different things. And we don't care. Like we're not an artisan personal training company, right? So, so many of us, these private like boutique gym owners, we got in the industry because it made a big impact on us. And we probably, like I personally took a lot of pride in being smarter, right? Than the, you know, more polished uh, business owners at the time. Um, So our training was better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quality product, this and that. And like, while again, while I think that is a valuable sort of thing to hold to a certain extent, it's also limiting (laughs) to a large extent as well. So um, in the newsletter, uh, we we talked about the, franchise disclosure documents from, for Orange Theory Fitness and, and just to prove that they're playing a different game than we are. Okay, so this is from a few years ago. Um, it, it was uh, the F, in the FTDs from 2016. So the data was from 2015. My guess is that things have probably gotten like bigger and more extensive and crazier since then. But in 2015, their average franchise studio had been open for at least 24 months. That had, that had been open for at least 24 months, had an average of 835 active members. Now, they could be lying about this, but like this is a franchise disclosure document. It is a um, basically, I think it's the FCC, but basically a national government organization has to like, they could be in big trouble if they were lying about this long story short. Okay. So these are audited, uh, financials and things like that. Again, this is my understanding. I'm not a lawyer, not legal advice. Um, this is something they have to publish to, uh, sort of sell franchises. Right. Um, and so their average club that had been open for more than two years had 800 members, again, paying on average, you know, 169 a month, whatever it is, um, their average gross revenue was a million bucks, a million 24. Um, that's obviously annually. So these guys are playing a little bit of a different game. Their model is better than ours for what they do. It doesn't mean that their model is better as a business necessarily. It doesn't mean that what they do is better than you. It means that their model is better for what their goal is, which is cram as many people as possible at a relatively okay price point, right? And you know, that's one of the reasons their retention is lower than other folks, but they're like, they're quite an innovative company. And the reality is like, this is why I say that the, um, the lower ticket, the team training, the boot camp, the, um, that lower ticket, large group metabolic model is dead and dying for many of us, because there are more and more and more and more orange theories there's, and that customer, okay. Is the same customer that's going to go buy a Peloton. They're competing for the same people. And so this is the argument, okay? You have somebody, when, when somebody has less of something, they tend to value it more. So if you have less money, you value an additional dollar more than somebody who has, has a bajillion dollars, 
right? Which is just, just dropping the bucket. The same thing to a certain extent is true with health. So you probably value coaching more as a 50 year old mom who struggled with the weight her entire life, never been able to find something that works. You tried every product, yada, 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 failed, 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 failed. Then the, you know, the 22 year old personal trainer who's in amazing shape, does nothing but work out, has a degree in exercise phase or whatever it is. And like has all these certifications that mom probably will pay more for coaching, probably values coaching and fixing her fitness more than that 22, 25, whatever year old trainer, um, that 25 year old trainer is not very likely unless they're very, very competitive to be paying a thousand bucks a month for another personal trainer, right. To train them. It's not likely to be the case. Does it happen sometimes? Are there, are there, um, sort of exceptions to the rule? Yes, absolutely. However, like they're just exceptions and they're like exceptions for a reason, <laughs> right? The 50 year old mom is going to value her health more than the 25 year old personal trainer. Now, the same token, you know, in a similar vein, I would argue the average Orange Theory client, the average um, large group facility fit client has more of their health shed together. Okay. They aren't in crazy, terrible, awful shape. They don't have a lot of contraindications for exercise. They don't have as many bumps and bruises. They're not as likely to get it hurt. All those different things, right? They're probably in, on average in better shape than the individual who like needs, needs, needs personal training or physical therapy or whatever it is. And so as a result, those individuals, they can kind of go anywhere and do whatever they want. They can go to Orange Theory if they enjoy it. They can go to F45, right? Large group stuff. They can go to wherever. They can go to the gym on their own. They can get a Peloton and train at home and not worry about getting hurt. They can get a, a tonal, a mirror, or like insert your streaming option here and be totally fine. However, the 55-year-old grandma, whatever, like that's been injured, that has, that's had multiple surgeries, that has aches and pains, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's very, very overweight. They're not going to be able to go to an orange theory. They're not going to be able to play with Peloton, right? They might try, but in general, they are more likely to get hurt and less likely to be successful doing it themselves than the average orange theory client. Right. And so inherently you have this sandbox that was already probably the most competitive sandbox. Because most, like the average boutique gym owner, certainly a year ago, <laughs> like certainly pre-COVID, if you took a subsection of 100 gyms in a given area, most of them are probably doing some sort of large group training at that time. Right? And I say boutique gyms, not, not, not talking about like Globo gyms, equipment rental type gyms. You're probably doing some sort of classes, right? Larger group stuff, less individualized right? Whether it was CrossFit, boot camp, metabolic training, team training, doesn't matter. You're all kind of doing similar versions of the same thing. All those people are competing with Orange Theory and all those people, their clients that are in those sessions are compete, are potential clients of Peloton and insert, you know, streaming options here, right? I'm kind of using the biggest sort of behemoths, if you will. Um, Beachbody, right? Was another note here. And so we're playing in a more competitive target market if we want to play in the team training thing. We also tend to not play the game the same way. We tend to play the game with basically hands tied behind our back because we are not willing to sacrifice our level of service enough to, to create a model that is designed to be profitable enough to be able to win. Because Orange Theory, look, if they're willing to pack 40 people in a room and charge them 180, 200, 160, whatever bucks a month, and you're not, they can spend more to get a customer. They're making, they're more profitable, right? They have a higher margin. They're making more per member than you, even if you're charging the same, even if you're charging a little bit more because they are willing to sacrifice their quality of service to a certain extent. And they're like, from, from, you know, what I've heard and seen, like they're 
pretty good at what, what we do. Like, I don't mean to be shitting on their level of service. It's just like, they can't, they physically can't give the level of individualization and attention that a, you know, a failing group training gym who, oh yeah, we do large group training. You have eight people in a session and you got two coaches there because, oh, like you made your system more complicated than it has to be more individualization than it has to be. Like they're not doing a better job training, but you can't compete with them on the financials. You're not going to be able to play that game. And so I make the argument, doesn't it make more sense if you're going to provide, like if you're not willing to just kind of, you know, turn a blind eye and try to create the highest quality fitness for the masses program possible and market and play in that sandbox where you've got to like pack as many people as possible into your facility in order to be profitable, right? And make it basically as, you know, systematically sound as possible. And what I mean, like is like literally scalable in that you can have, you know, one person in there and they are maybe being coached by a TV to a certain extent. And you have a cheerleader with simple movements because it doesn't take a lot, a lot of, there's not a big learning curve to the program, right? You can just put people in, squeeze people out. It doesn't matter who shows up. They can all do it. Right. If you're not willing to do that, and I'm not saying you should, or you shouldn't then like, wouldn't it make sense maybe to consider adjusting your model to like, just be able to make you money doing fitness the way that you want to do it. Right. For a market, by the way, that has more money, you know, more disposable income, they value fitness more, right. Because they tend to have less of it. Like those are all kind of some pretty positive things. The other positive that nobody talks about is that like marketing costs are just going up, right? Like the reason people come to us is because they're like marketing's getting harder. There are fewer and fewer markets. We can just say, Hey, like, fuck you. It's going to be a million dollars and you get really low cost leads and really low cost clients. It's more difficult to acquire customers. Now that's just the normal cycle of advertising, right? Like in the beginning, you'll hear Dan Kennedy stories, right? Dan Kennedy is one of my favorite sort of marketing minds it was sort of my introduction to, you know, real business and marketing. Um, he talks about how infomercials in the very beginning, they were selling them, but you know, they were selling the time on TV for, for nothing because no one was using, it. no one was using that time. And so it was like Facebook five years ago or seven years ago, however long ago it was, but you could just like, you know, say, Hey, screw it. Like show up. Um, and you still get leads, right? You still get people coming in the door. Uh, like it's normal for these different advertising avenues and vehicles, like for those costs to go up requisite with the value they're providing. And so it is going to likely get more difficult. And like, while yes, we're trying to stay on the cutting edge and like we're in the middle of researching TikTok ads and things like that right now, um, we're trying to stay on the cutting edge of things. That said, like, doesn't it just make more sense to have your business be able to succeed regardless of what the marketing conditions are, right? Like, yes, make your marketing very, very, very like fantastic, but I want to be able to win even if marketing costs are through the roof. And so that typically means having a model where I can charge more and make more per customer to have higher profit, right? Higher margin that allows me to go back and advertise more and still win regardless of what the marketing conditions are in that individual market, right? That's basically that's our whole thing as a business right on the consulting side it's like we're going to number one yes we're going to fix your marketing but before that we fix your model to be able to win regardless of what the market conditions are and then when we make your marketing more efficient and more successful and everything else like now all of a sudden you're making double the money right you know you're getting double the benefit basically um because you've not only fixed your marketing but your model is fixed so that now you're making more per member and now regardless like it doesn't matter if marketing costs go up you can still win that's the beauty of what we do for people and so like wouldn't isn't that worth considering right it's where the puck 
is going, in my opinion, is like the smaller group personal training stuff. Now, all that said, this does not come without challenges. Uh, there are absolutely challenges uh, to this model of playing in the sandbox, et cetera. Number one, it's going to get more competitive too, right? Um, you know, Rick Mayo and, and Alloy, like they're kind of on the cutting edge of the franchising side of this small group personal training thing. Um, I, it wouldn't be surprising if more and more of these, you know, large group folks that have already gotten, you know, really pretty damn efficient fitness systems. Um, if they don't figure out how to make some cool branding and whatever else and start to incorporate some small group stuff, it, it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me if say Orange Theory opens up a, I don't know, you know, whatever you'd want to name it, but basically like small group studios uh, as little pilots, they already have really good fitness systems. You've already seen this happen. I think anytime um, I, I'm pretty sure they technically own a handful of other franchise concepts in fitness. Uh, like surprise, like that is probably going to happen. So you're probably going to have more adult competitors move into your arena um, in this space uh, in the next you know, year or two years. Um, again, depending on how dense your market is or whatever else. Uh, so there's going to be more competition. Still, I think there's less competition than there, there will be for these other providers because you just, right now, I don't think the tech is there to provide really good high touch, you know, in-person, you know, when I say in-person, you know, even digitally remote VR, like, I don't think that's there yet. Again, it may be in a year, but um, right now I don't think that's there. And I still think people crave, you know, that personal connection and attention that you get in an in-person studio. So um, like that is, I think, become very clear. Uh, sort of, I shouldn't say as we're on the tail end of COVID, but as lockdowns have eased in most areas, like you see people flocking out to businesses and doing things again, regardless of your you know, political thoughts about that. Like it does seem like people crave that. And so like, I don't think that's going away if you maybe put money on it, um, but there are challenges, right? We, 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 let's stay on the challenges, stay on topic GR. Um, so number one, it's going to get more competitive realistically. Um, number two, you do have to be better. So selling a $400 a month membership or a $300 a month membership takes more skill than selling $100 memberships, right? And providing a higher level of service so that people will continue to pay that like likely does take more effort than maybe what you've been used to. So the market is continuing to mature. You have more and more like big brands, high venture capital, like adult businesses and adult money moving into the fitness industry. So you can't like, you can't do like you did 10 years ago, 15 years ago in CrossFit. And like, maybe your coach shows up on time. Maybe they don't, maybe they're wearing a shirt. Maybe they're not, but maybe they've, you know, they're, they've got a workout already planned out, or maybe they're just like, you know, throwing something up there at random. You know, you can't get away with a lot of those things as much anymore, depending on the maturity of your market. Somebody who's a really good, you know, like a good operator, like a good marketer and a good salesperson, you put all those three things in one and they move into your market and you're still kind of playing, you know, minor league ball, you're going to get your ass kicked. And so like you're, you will likely have to mature as a business owner. If you are currently, you know, doing some of those other things. And it, I think we probably all have to mature, but we've had to mature in this business, you know, like it, the, the expectations I think of the marketplace go up as things mature. And that's a normal cycle, you know, for, for given industries. And I think the rewards are higher on the other end of it. If you're able to successfully navigate, you know, the increased hurdle, um, uh, and get to the other side of it, but like, yes, you're going to deal with more challenges selling a, you know, thousand dollar intro program or a $300 or $350 or $400 membership than you are selling a $79 jumpstart that everyone was teaching five years ago. Right. Um, so again, there are challenges you and your team will likely have to level up 
and uh, you know those different those different pieces, those different sort of uh, you know kind of fantasy football um, type actions. You know, you, like you're playing amateur business owner, um, hobbyist business owner, if you will. I don't think that's going to get you where you want to go anymore. I'll make sure I didn't miss the uh, miss any notes here. So, um, you know, the reality is like, I do think this is where the puck is going. I think small group personal training, more premium stuff for the boutique business owner is a, um, it's the blues of the blue oceans in fitness right now. I think you can still get in, you know, relatively cheaply. If you wanted to, you don't have to invest a ton in the facility to provide really good high touch service. Um, there's some really fun, I think, you know, additional revenue streams that can make you more efficient and help you compete with the big players in your area. Um, but you are going to have to, like we are going to have to adultify ourselves to be able to compete in the, you know, the new economy, the new, um, the new market. Uh, I've used a few analogies for this. You, know, you guys know how I like my sports analogies. Um, the, you know, the barrier of entry to be a, uh, like the, or the, let's, let's call it the cost of continued operation in the NBA as a player is way the hell higher, right? Than it is at a, as a, you know, middle school, little league, like whatever the heck team, the practice get, you got to practice more. You got to practice more deeply on individual facets of your game. You got to be more detailed. Um, you're going to commit more time to things, et cetera, et cetera. But the rewards are way, 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 way different too, right? The juice is worth the squeeze on the other side. The trick is many folks aren't going to be willing to jump the hurdles to get there. So that's a big risk with playing in these more mature markets is you probably have to be a more, more mature business owner. Your customers will likely have different expectations at 400 a month than they did at 40 a month or hundred a month. Um, but man, is it worth it? In my mind, that answer is a yes. If you'd like help with this, if you want to turn your gym into a small group training money machine, that's what we do. Uh, reach out at www.myfriendsasyougrowgyms.com. Love to have a conversation with you and uh, we'll see you on the other side.